0: Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, some very sad news in the hockey world and memories of the 2003 Stanley Cup Final, all of this on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How is everybody doing on day number 40-something of this quarantine? It has been over a month since the last hockey game was played at the ponda and hopefully you guys are all staying safe and trying to stay healthier than i am to be honest i feel like i haven't been 100 at 100 percent for a while now um i won't h- hide anything i've been under the weather i've been ill for what seems like a long time i had a pretty bad bout of the fever um i just won't go too much more into detail I will just suffice it to say that I've not been feeling well, um, well under 100%, but, you know, got to keep pressing on and try to at least still get some kind of content out there. Um, I want to remind you that you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. I think after this weekend, I'm just going to take a lot of meds, take good care of myself, and just do a hard reset and have some new content starting next week. No show on Monday. Uh, The plan for now is to have shows on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. That is the immediate goal as of right now. As for what we're going to have next week, uh, who knows? I I don't know yet. I'm going to try to do some Hockey Jeopardy, maybe something Jeopardy-related, because it is the Jeopardy College Tournament of Champions. And by the way, the guy that's, one of the guys in the finals, his name is Nabeer. He's from the University of Minnesota. He's a hockey fan. He's a big hockey fan. He plays for the Minnesota Pep Band that plays at all the hockey games and he likes hockey a lot. So yeah, I thought that was a nice little uh, connection. I didn't want to end the show with some sad news. I would rather end the show on a positive note and not on such a negative note, but this was news that I couldn't not talk about for personal reasons. And I'll get to that right now. Um, this was pretty devastating. On April 11th, Colby Cave had passed away. He was suffering from uh, some pretty bad brain bleeding. Uh, what happened was he ended up having a cyst near his brain And it just got worse. He was put in a medically induced coma uh, well over a week ago, a few days before he died. And he just never got out of that coma, which is very sad to say. Colby Cave, passing away at the age of only 25, uh, he played with the Boston Bruins and the Edmonton Oilers. He last played here in Southern California. He was a part of the Bakersfield Condors team. And if you guys follow minor league hockey... You've definitely seen him play. Um, I will go personal about this in a second. First, I want to read uh, these statements. First, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. Uh, Here's what was on um, Colby Cave's wife's Instagram. Uh, This was what she put on her Instagram. This is from Emily Cave. Quote, To my best friend and love of my life, Colby my heart is shattered. The amount of physical, mental, and emotional pain I am in when I think about never seeing, touching, or holding you again is unbearable. You are and will always be my person, my hero, the greatest thing to happen to me. I never dreamed of being a widow before our first wedding anniversary. Although every cell in my body is lost without you, I promise to continue to make you proud. You were the best friend, husband doggy daddy and oh how i wished to see you as a baby daddy i'll see you again soon colb yeah it's pretty sad to read that that was once again from emily cave um colby's wife they got married over the summer and that was a pretty nice story from a couple months ago i'll get to that in a second here's from the family of colby cave and this is also from emily it is with great sadness to share the news that our Colby Cave passed away early this morning. I, Emily, and both our families are in shock. But now our Colby was loved dearly by, by us, his family and friends, the entire hockey community, and many more. We thank everyone for their prayers during this difficult time. Here's a statement from the Edmonton Oilers, and I'm going to quote this. On behalf of the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club and the Bakersfield Condors, we wanted to express our deepest condolences to the family and friends after the passing of our teammate, Colby Cave, earlier this morning. Colby was a terrific teammate with great character, admired, and liked everywhere he played. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife, Emily, his family, and friends at this very difficult time. End quote. Uh, that's both from Bob Nicholson, the chairman of the Oilers, and Ken Hollins, the president of Hockey Ops and GM of the Oilers. This statement comes from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Quote The NHL family mourns the heartbreaking passing of Colby Cave, whose life and hockey career, though too short, were inspiringly emblematic of the best of our game. Undrafted but undaunted, Colby was relentless in the pursuit of his hockey dream with both the Edmonton Oilers and Boston Bruins organizations. An earnest and hard working player, he was admired by his teammates and coaches. More important, he was a warm and generous person who was well liked by all those fortunate enough to know him. We send our heartfelt condolences to his wife Emily, their families, and Colby's countless friends throughout the hockey world. End quote. That was from the Commissioner. And this is from the Bakersfield Condors head coach, Jay Woodcroft. Quote, Heartbreaking news to end a very difficult week. Colby was just such a phenomenal person to be around. He was the epitome of what a professional hockey player should be. Caring, driven, focused, and serious. Our thoughts and prayers continue to remain with Emily and the entire Cave family. End quote. Uh, once again, Colby Cave passing away at the age of 25 years old. And I had mentioned that he had suffered from a brain bleed. And it, it's really sad to think about because I happen to be at one of his final games. I guess I will talk about this now. Yes, I do uh, cover minor league hockey. I I work the games. Um, I ended up working his last game in SoCal. Bakersfield had gone on a road trip to Colorado before the season abruptly ended. Um, his last game in SoCal was not at Bakersfield; it was a road game at Ontario at Toyota Arena. This was on February twenty-ninth, Leap Day. So, as I work, you know, most games, I tend to watch warm-ups. And I'd seen Colby Cave warm-up a few times. Um, there are times where I'll pay attention to the home team, times where I'll pay attention to the road team, because that's just how I am. I pay attention to everything going on. And when Ethan Bear was a part of the Condors last season, I would see the dynamic between, you know, certain players. I know Colby Cave, you know, was part of the P Bruins last year. Uh, this year When I saw Colby play for Bakersfield, I I paid attention a little bit. Yeah, he's got a pretty wicked shot. Uh, So far, or I guess in 44 games, I shouldn't say so far. It's really sad to say in past tense. uh, In 44 games, he had scored 11 goals and 12 assists for 23 points. Uh, Yeah, he was a bit of a scrapper at times. He would get down and dirty. He would oftentimes... You know, delivered the big hit, but he always finished his checks whenever he got the chance. Kind of a physical player at times, but a very effective player in the American Hockey League. Um, he was the alternate captain for the P. Bruins in 2016, 17, 18, and 19. Uh, he played with Providence even as far back as 2015, 2016, which is kind of ironic because it happened to be that season. When I would watch the P Bruins at Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. And he was a very good player back then as well. And he was still a very effective player. Uh, He was kind of one of those players that would constantly go between the AHL and the NHL. Um, I would say his ceiling was probably a third or fourth liner in the National Hockey League. But once he was in the A, he was very good at the AHL level. One of those players that was very good at the A... And doing okay in the National Hockey League. Still a great player. Great for Bakersfield this season. Um, he was one of those veteran presence type guys. That was looking to earn a alternate or to earn the A or the C for the Bakersfield Condors this season. So just reiterating once again, Colby Cave passing away at the age of 25. And I know I'm over time, but I don't care right now. Uh, just because you know i kind of do want to talk about this because you know i i have seen him play up close i've seen how he interacts with the fans and with the media and with his teammates and he was always a really good guy to his teammates um so much so that there were some great quotes from his Bakersfield Condors teammates and i'm going to read a couple of these because there're some pretty good ones Uh, First from Tyler Benson, quote, gone from us way too early, was lucky enough to sit next to you all year in the dressing room, always bringing a positive attitude and big smile to the rink. You were a warrior on the ice and a gentleman off it. Thanks for being a great teammate and friend. Rest in peace, Caver, end quote. Tyler Benson, one of the great players for the Condors. And I liked this one from Gambo, uh, Joseph Gambardella. I call him Gambo, uh, quote, Colby not only brightened up the hockey world, but every person he graced with his presence. We love you, Kaver, and the entire K family. We are here with you. We are so sorry for your loss. Rest in peace, Kaver. I'll meet you at the pearly gates. I'll bring the beers. I'll bring the beers, end quote. So yeah, his teammates clearly loved him a lot. So much. I would see him, and that's why I paid attention to Condor's warmups a few times. That's because there were certain players that would always mess around, Gamble would always kind of, you know, chuckle, kind of shove. And what the Condors did, like most teams, they kind of line up in the corners, kind of shove each other towards the glass. And Caver was always right there, just kind of like shoving guys back and forth, kind of smiling and chuckling. Like, okay, this this guy, like this this guy's a cool cat. I like him. Um, still, really sad to think about the fact that I was, I happened to be working that game in ontario and you know have seen colby C- cave play a handful of times um another quote and this is from another one of his teammates jake Kulovich. quote got a heavy heart right now one of the most genuine guys i've ever met a true man of integrity and kindness that you don't come across often going to miss you my brother and quote yeah i mean the players are really devastated uh, One more teammate quote I'm going to read, then I'm going to move on. Uh, This one's from Lake... Sorry, Luke Esposito. Caver, you were adored by all your teammates and none more so than me. You lit up every room you walked into with that infectious smile and laugh. I'm so grateful for the chance to be your teammate and witness you do what you truly loved. Rest in peace, brother. I'll never forget you. Hearing those quotes from his teammates, that tells you the kind of character that he is. And just going off of what I'm going to say as well, I could tell just, you know, from his demeanor on and off the ice. Yeah, he was a good guy. He was kind of one of those, not so much a goofball kind of guys, but just always kind of had a brightness. He kind of had a, always had a smile with him. I mean, the only reason I could relate a little bit is because, you know, he kind of have like a... Sly smile at times during warm So i be like, okay, I like this guy. He he seemed like he always had a smile on his face, and the reason I could relate to that is because that's how I had been, and that's part of the reason why my nickname is Stimpy. Um, you know, Stimpy's always happy, happy, joy, joy. That's what Caver was. He was kind of that happy, happy, joy, joy kind of guy. You know, kind of messing around a little bit, kind <laughs> of, kind of not so much getting under guys' skin but just kind of being that presence where he really did light up a room. I said I wasn't going to do another quote, but uh, this is from the Condor's captain, Keegan Lowe. So I have to read this quote. Quote, Kaver was a true teammate in every sense of the word and a friend many were lucky to have. No words can describe this, and we all wish it wasn't true. If only we could all sit on the bus and play one last card game together. We miss you, brother. End quote. So that's one final quote from the Condors players. Something really interesting. Just seeing the outpouring of emotion with Colby Cave passing away, both from myself, from from friends that I know, from people that I work with. Um, You know, others in the American Hockey League, they all had their impressions of Colby Cave as well. And they were all positive. We were all hoping he would pull through from this. You know, I was texting a couple of people back and forth as far back as April 8th, April 9th. Once we found out that he had been in that coma, you know, we texted back and forth. Gosh, I hope he's okay. You know, and we were kind of saying like, let's let's hope that he gets through this first. Um, we had no idea that he was going to pass away. But as soon as we heard coma and something with his brain, our immediate thought was, first, let's hope he's okay. But, you know, we we did have to say it like, could this be a career ender for him? And that's what we thought at the time. So that was kind of that outpoint of emotion once we found out. Two days later, and this was just really, really, really freaking amazing. Um, so this was down in or up in Saskatchewan where, you know, several fans just honored him. So what happened was he had passed away In a hospital in Toronto. And fans honored him. In Saskatchewan. And this was probably an amazing scene. And if you haven't seen this. I'd look it up. So cars lined up along Highway 16. In North Battleford, Saskatchewan. For 15 kilometers. Yeah. Over 15 kilometers of cars. They lined up outside North Battleford. Just outside Highway 16. Waiting for the family of Colby Cave. You know, once the fire engines passed by, all those fans 15 kilometers deep, they showed their absolute support. And it just hits you right in the heart. I mean, it hits you hard to see that kind of outpouring of emotion from all the fans. And going forward, uh, the Bakersfield Condors, they did something really cool along with the Edmonton Oilers. So the Cave family and the Oilers... They created the Colby Cave Memorial Fund to help carry on Colby's memory and legacy. And proceeds uh, for that will go toward mental health initiatives and access to sports for underprivileged children, which I think is just incredible. I know there's already the Bell Let's Talk Fund, but here's what it says on the Oilers website. The Colby Cave Memorial Fund. Uh, the the family and Oilers have created the memorial fund to carry on the memory and legacy of Oilers forward Colby Cave, who passed away suddenly and tragically on April eleventh, 2020. Cave made a lasting impact both on and off the ice with the Edmonton Oilers and the AHL's Bakersfield Condors, and before that with the Boston Bruins organization and the WHL's Swift Current Broncos. Cave was a consummate professional, well, respected by teammates and opponents alike. He was also a committed and positive member of the communities in which he played, eagerly volunteering for charitable initiatives and always stopping to say hi to fans. Donations to the Colby Cave Memorial Fund are being accepted by the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation in Colby's memory. I'm going to say this right now the next time, the, the next couple times that I do Hockey Jeopardy. Uh, proceeds are going to go to this. They're going to go to the Colby Cave Memorial Fund. So I'm just going to put this out there. The next time I do that, that's where the funds are going to go. So check that out. It is NHL.com slash Oilers slash community slash Colby Cave Colby dash cave dash memorial dash fund. And I'll be sure to make a link to that page after we finish today and after this uploads. So once again, that's the Colby Cave Memorial Fund. Uh, Looks like it could be a very, very great cause. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, We're going to end on a more positive note. And we're going to talk about the 2003 Stanley Cup final between the Devils and the Mighty Ducks. If you recall, on the last podcast, I had talked about that wonderful 2003 season. Talking about the regular season, uh, that game that just replayed on, what was a Prime Ticket recently. So yeah, there's a lot of memories there. Even the playoffs, but that Cup final, that was another level of amazing. And if this segment goes long... I'm making no apologies for that. It was that good. Yeah, the first two games were all New Jersey. In fact, the Devils, they completely dominated the Ducks on those first couple of games in that Stanley Cup final. Um, really, it looked like the Devils were just going to dominate after those first two games because they won. Uh, I don't want to say handily, but I mean, there was 3-0, three 3-0. Nothing, three nothing. Okay, I don't want to say handily because... The Ducks did make games out of both of them, and, you know, I mean, there was an empty netter here, but really, the Ducks did play fairly well. It's just that much of a home arena advantage at Continental Airlines Arena or the Meadowlands in New Jersey. You know, they had a big-time home ice advantage. You know, winning those first two games 3-0, I mean, Jiggy was just pelted, pelted, pelted with shots, and... You know, the Ducks, they looked bad. They looked bad. The offense just was not clicking. They got some good shots off on Marty Brodeur. They got some great shots off. But there was some key blocks made. Some pretty good saves. So, yeah, it didn't look good. Then it shifted over to the pond for Game 3. This was a very interesting game where the Ducks came out right away. They came out firing. Uh That second goal that the Ducks scored... Yeah, that was a bad one for Devils fans because that was a pretty bad error on Marty Broder's part. So what happened there was the puck was just kind of going in a little bit, you know, kind of easing in, whatever. It is what it is. And I'm trying to even remember who scored. Actually, yeah. So <laughs> the the puck was mid-ice, right? And Broder was just trying to play the puck. And I think it was... Um, Who was it? Oh, it was Ozon. Ozonish. This was a hilarious goal. So he just kind of played the puck towards the net. Okay, fine. And Oz just kind of put it in there. Marty put his stick down. As soon as Brodeur tried to grab the stick, the puck bounced off the stick and into the net. And I remember the I, was, I remember Gary Thorne going, "Oh, it, it was that bad of a goal, that bad." Yes, Scott Gomez did tie the game in the third period to make it two to two, but that error just really cost the Devils because in overtime, um, Saley he got the game-winning goal, and this was off of a face-off too. So Oates did get a pretty good face-off win. Um, Adam Oates played it back to Ruslan Soleil. And he just rifled it, you know, off the faceoff, glove side. And that was a wonderful game-winning goal in overtime to give the Mighty Ducks that 3-2 victory at the Pond. Then we go to Game 4. Game 4 was just an amazing, amazing back-and-forth game. One of the best goalie matchups we've ever seen. Marty was on top of his game. Jiggy was on top of his game. Jiggy more so than anything because he got some miraculous saves on the Devils throughout that entire game. And it finally ended kind of early in overtime where the game-winning goal was scored off a rebound. This was only 39 seconds into overtime where Sammy Paulson had a great shot on Marty's left side. Marty had to do the splits, make a miraculous save, and then Steve Thomas got the game winning goal in overtime his his first game winning goal in overtime. okay, Steve Thomas had been in the league for a very, very long time. That was his 19th season. yes, 19th season in the National Hockey League. He started with Toronto in the mid 80s, then it went to Chicago, then went to the Islanders, then the Devils, then Toronto. Although he was on the Devils for some playoffs runs, but he never really made a cup appearance. The closest he got was with the Blackhawks in 1990. That was the closest he'd ever gotten. And the Blackhawks did lose in the conference finals that season. As far as his years with the Devils, he spent two seasons with the Devils. And it happened to be that both those playoff years, they did not make the Stanley Cup final. And even with Toronto, they had some pretty deep runs, but never made the final. So, in his 19th season in the National Hockey League, he finally made the Stanley Cup final. Not only did he make the Cup final, but he got a game winning goal in overtime. That just brought the house down immensely. You know, he'd been waiting for that long. To have that moment be his was just amazing. Then we went back to game five of that series. Uh, Devils once again dominated. It was 6-3. Then we got to game six. Game six is one of those games that goes down in hockey lore for years to come. And people still talk about it to this day. And I'm really only talking about one moment. One moment only in that game. And you all know which moment I'm I'm talking about. Um, So to pick it up. The Ducks did get three quick goals in the first period, a couple from Steve Ruchin and a power play from Steve Thomas. New Jersey did score early in the second. Then with about 14, 13 minutes left in the second period, Scott Stevens put a vicious and I mean a vicious hit. Yeah, and Ducks fans still hate this. Scott Stevens just absolutely decked. Paul Correa and knocked him out onto the ice. Paul Correa had just passed off the puck and Correa was looking to his left. And here comes Scott Stevens barreling in and got a high hit to the head of Correa and Correa just laid flat on the ice, his back on the ice. He's looking up. It looked like he was not moving at all. Finally, you saw that puff of breath as he came to Ducks fans were very concerned. It it looked it seemed like it was very quiet at that arena for a split second until Korea finally got up, went to the locker room, and he had trouble getting even getting to the locker room. It was assumed that he was not going to play at least for the rest of the game and possibly the rest of the series because it was already Game 5. We were assuming that he was going to be out for the rest of the game. And then maybe 8 minutes later, you see Paul Korea coming out of the locker room. Yeah, not even kidding. He came out of the locker room, seemed to pat Leclaire on the back, and he said, "The captain's back. I'm going back in." As if this and the coach gives us look as if to say, "Are you freaking kidding? Really? All right." I mean, if you're if you say you're good, uh, so apparently the EMT was ready to take him to the hospital, and he said, "Nope, I gotta finish this game." And Korea nearly got a goal about four minutes left in the second period. First shift out, uh, he kind of barrels towards the goal, um, kind of crashes the net, and the puck hits off the post. So he almost got the goal there. Then not long after that, with about 2.45 left in the third period, one of the best calls in National Hockey League history, and this goes out to Gary Thorne, Gary Thorne, Had one of the best calls where Paul Correa picked up the puck on the left side. He was blazing through the left side, got across the blue line. And right as he was striding down, you could see him going faster and faster. Once he got the puck right there, you could hear Gary Thorne saying the fans won it right away. He slaps one. He blistered this shot. Top cheese scores the goal on Marty Brodeur. And the crowd absolutely erupts. The Anaheim Pond was probably the loudest it had ever been. That might have been the moment. Yes, there have been plenty of moments for the Ducks and the Mighty Ducks. But that goal might be the ultimate moment in Mighty Ducks history. Not just because of the emotion, but for those watching at home, you hear Gary Thorne say off the floor, on the board, Paul Correa put the Ducks up 4-1, to and that inspired the Ducks to win that game 5-2. Just such an amazing moment for him to come back up. Um, I know Paul Correa has been quoted as saying he doesn't remember anything about that game. He has no memory of it, which is kind of haunting and kind of sad because that's one of the best moments in hockey history. And for him to not remember it, It's kind of sad because you want to hear his thoughts on what he thought during that game and for him to not remember it. I mean, it is kind of sad. So the Ducks did win that game six. They would go back to New Jersey for game seven. Unfortunately, uh, the Ducks didn't score again as they were shut out at New Jersey 3-0. But the silver lining to that series, Jean-Sebastien Jaeger, Won the Conn Smythe Trophy, one of the few times that a player from a losing team wins the con Smythe. So I guess there's that silver lining there. But Jiggy was in another world that playoffs. He had a 162 goals against average, save percentage of 945. Both led the league in the playoffs. Yeah, he ha- he had a 15 and six record. Only Marty Brodeur had a 16 and eight record. I mean, Marty Brodeur did get three shutouts in that series, but it wasn't enough because the Conn Smythe Trophy goes to the playoff MVP. And J.S. Shiger had a save percentage of about 960, just above 960 before that. That's an astounding total. Even after all that, to have a save percentage of 945 through 21 games was amazing. And that trophy was definitely very earned. So, I mean, there was a silver lining. Jaguar was the best player in the playoffs that year. So that's kind of a way to end on a good note there. Um, Just a reminder that you can hear this or any of the previous shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Um, We're going to try to have three shows next week since I'm starting to finally feel better. Um, hoping to get back to complete 100% by next week. That's the hope. As for what we're going to have next week, I'm going to tease this now. We're going to do the all time Ducks roster. So I'm going to tease that a little bit, but that's what we're going to have starting next week the all time Ducks and Mighty Ducks. So keep an eye out on Twitter for that, possibly over the weekend. Um, also, be sure to rate, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. Um, these are these are very tough times, especially here in California. We're still trying to social distance. We're still trying to stay safe at home. That way we can, you know, flatten the curve, and just get through this together. That's the best we can do, I guess. As Zuri is coming into the door, that's zuri there and i just want to thank you all for sticking with me and for sticking through this and we're going to get through this together for locked on anaheim ducks i'm jason jd hernandez saying have a great weekend and stay safe anaheim